0: The Mystics are 2-0. Jen Hatfield, beat reporter at The Next, who covers the Mystics, is here to talk about it. Locked On Women's Basketball starts now. You are
1: Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: You know, I just always dance to that music. I really love it. Thank you for making us, Locked On Women's Basketball, your first listen every day. We are available to be downloaded wherever there are podcasts, wherever there are podcasts. I am Howard Magdal, founder and editor at The Next. Uh, you can follow our coverage every day, 24-7, at thenexthoops.com or follow us at The Next Hoops. And make sure you're following us at Locked on WBB, where we come together to talk about the world of women's basketball every day. Our incredible team talks, covers, takes you inside what's happening with all the WNBA teams and, in fact, the larger world of women's basketball. And who better to exemplify that? Then Jen Hatfield, managing editor at The Next, beat reporter covering the Mystics, Ivy League beat reporter as well, sibling reporter extraordinaire. Jen Hatfield, is there anything more exciting right now in your world when you look at all the things you're covering than the 2-0 Washington Mystics, though?
1: There is not.
0: I mean, it is just a team that has undergone changes, unexpected bumps in the road, missing their stars i i just want to point people first and foremost go over to the next and check out jen's story about what it felt like to be back in the arena on opening night with elena daladon jen it has been a while that's something i i'm i believe you informed elena daladon about is that right
1: i did it was it was pretty funny and kind of got to repeat it with several of her teammates but um it's it's been so long that she didn't remember that she actually missed she she obviously missed all of 2020 and most of 2021 including that season opener so those two were fairly obvious but she also fun bit of uh injury trivia here uh she missed the 2019 season opener as well um she had i believe it was a bone bruise in her knee during the 2018 playoffs yeah. um, kind of recovered from that during the offseason, but experienced some swelling and soreness during training camp and they held her out for the 2019 season opener which was at connecticut um, and then she played the next game uh, their home opener and was was fine the rest of the year largely until she had her fateful uh back injury in the playoffs but so she hadn't played in a mystic season opener since 2018, which actually came at home against the Indiana Fever, same as it did this year, which was another nice bit of, um, you know, everything coming full circle. But I mentioned, I I mentioned that stat to her and she, she was like, wait, I didn't play in 2019.
0: I like the idea fun bit of injury trivia. I feel like that should be our tagline at the next in lockdown women's basketball. We can change it from your team every day. You know, we'll, we'll run that up the flagpole and see. But it is it is amazing when you consider that there's a championship within the confines of that run. And obviously, 2019, they made the right decision to hold her out to get her fully healthy. She looked from afar like the Elena Deladon that I have come to know and you have come to know for a long time now. You know, eight of 16 from the field, 21 points, nine rebounds three assists, not a – oh, two blocks, by the way, not a single turnover, which is the thing, like, just – and this is parenthetical, but the thing I think is missed most about her game is how ridiculous it is that her turnover percentage is somewhere just above six. It's the best of all active players because it is the best of the history of the WNBA, and this is despite somebody who is ball-dominant, somebody who is facing – untold amount of pressure on defenses who put her at the top of the scouting report but did she just overall look like the Elena Deladon that we're used to seeing?
1: I think in a lot of ways she did and in some ways she didn't quite so I think the the really um, encouraging sign is that she's consistently said that she's pain-free even the next morning you know after she plays in a scrimmage or She's been practicing full practices, contact, five-on-five. Five. There aren't any special Elena Daladon rules, um, which I asked her about a couple of weeks ago for, for an article here at The Next. Um, but importantly, after she takes that contact, you know, plays 30 minutes a game, um, she wakes up the next morning and she still feels good. That's something she was never able to accomplish last year. And it's, you know, it, it's part of the reason uh, she she stopped playing because she had a recurrence of shooting nerve pain, which – tends to be something that, that uh, trainers get concerned about.
0: Yes, um, so, so in that
1: respect, that's, that's super encouraging. Um, b- and obviously her stats looked great. The mm. eye test was a little bit iffy in the sense that she looked a little bit tentative or not fully comfortable within her body. And we asked her about this post-game, and she said basically this. She worked really hard all off season to strengthen her legs, strengthen her base so that her back isn't taking as much of the um, force of the movements that she's, she's trying to do. She can push off of her legs instead of pushing with her back. And that's just a much better way to move biomechanically. But now she's got these stronger legs and she's not quite used to them yet. They're new. And so she's like, wait, I can, you know, do this that I couldn't do before. These feel a little bit different to me. So she was kind of feeling that out. And she wasn't, um, she had a very, like, I would say quiet 21 points. She wasn't like super flashy about it. She wasn't um, just visibly dominating, but she was efficient and, you know, put on a pretty classic Elena performance, even with uh, new legs.
0: It's really interesting because that would suggest a couple of things. If her back is able to withstand this stronger legs and a more efficient set of movements should be able to help her not just this year, but for a long time to come, that should also help with her quality of life, which is not an insignificant thing when you think about moving beyond basketball and what she's dealing with, which is a degenerative back condition. So those things, if if you want to land and have a happy life, which I think all of us do, I mean, is a positive as well. But in terms of the fluidity of movement, that would seem to suggest to me uh, potential higher ceiling than what we saw in game one. Do you think that's that's fair to hope for, if not expect, since obviously so much of this is so difficult to predict?
1: Yes, absolutely. She was not pleased with how she shot the ball. She, everyone kind of admitted she actually missed some shots she would normally take, and she said post-game that um, you know, after she stayed at the arena until about midnight, getting in her post-game um, mm. recovery process, which was going to take her about two or two and a half hours, mm. um, she was then planning to return to the facility the next morning as the team, you know, prepared to fly out to Minnesota. She uh, she and her dad were going to get some shots up. He's her longtime, uh, you know, teacher. She, he's basically her shot doctor, yes. um, has taught her shooting ever since she was little. And whenever she has um, you know, a streak of bad shooting or just doesn't feel comfortable with her shot. Uh, she calls him up. So she was going get, to get some work in on Saturday to to get that feeling more like herself because she said, you know, with those new legs, again, there were times where she would jump and she's maybe just a little bit higher than she used to be because she's got more power in those legs. And so everything feels just a little bit uh, in need of fine tuning.
0: That's fascinating. I, I'm really interested to see her in person. Obviously, th- this perspective is... Incredibly valuable. It's also fascinating that she was not going to play on Sunday. They clearly have a plan in place where she's going to play less than the full total, full complement of games, uh, not for any reason other than keeping her in shape for the season that matters, which is the postseason. And I just, I just wonder, what do you think that looks like in practice? I know they haven't set out a specific. Hey, it's going to be this number of games, but do you think it's something like one-on-one off? Do you think it's something like avoiding trips? You know, what have you heard from Mike and from Elena uh, and from the rest of the mystics about this?
1: Yeah. So I think it's probably going to be, I don't think it's one-on-one off. I think she'll play more than that. Um, I think it's looking at the schedule and saying, you know, because we have a condensed season this year with the, with the World Cup coming up. And that is, uh, as Elena put it, that's not good for anybody, but especially not good for Elena. Um, so how the Mystics have said they're going to approach it is looking at the schedule and seeing where uh, it's not just condensed, but a little bit ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, is how I'm phrasing it. They didn't call it ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, three games in five days, that's a, that's the stretch that the Mystics are in right now. And so they scratched the middle one, the one that happened to be on the road. Um, and I think a lot of this is informed by Elena's experience playing last year, too. She played on a Sunday, a Tuesday, and then a Thursday, and then she was done. And so right, the, right. They're, they're cautious about doing that again to her. Um, and so they're trying to space those out. and. Um, again, travel, you know, not great for backs, So they may hold her out of, um, you know, an elongated road trip or something like that. She is expected to start traveling at some point. Um, she says soon. I tried to ask uh, Eric Thibault the other day and he deferred to Coach T. We haven't heard Coach T put a timeline on it, but I would imagine fairly quickly here she should, st- she should start being able-, being able to do things like a train trip to New York, if not get on a plane. Um, because the train is a little bit easier in that respect. But I would expect her to play a decent majority of the games this year.
0: Well, that's certainly better for everyone. You know, the Mystics, the game of basketball, as I've said many times, is better with more Elena Deladon in it. Uh, It is striking to me, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, that she is seventh on the team in minutes right now, but the team is 2-0. So there were a lot of other reasons why that happens. But before we get there, I, I want to tell you a little bit about our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And when I say all, it is the WNBA too, the NCAA Women's Basketball. BetOnline does not do what a lot of these other sites do. And when they talk about all your sports betting needs, they talk about just the men's sports. So you can find all of your latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball players, MLB scores, and yes, WNBA odds at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. So to the WNBA and a team that went in, if memory serves, an underdog, on the road in game number two against the Minnesota Lynch on Sunday night, they they sure didn't play like Uh, Washington absolutely crushed Minnesota uh, in a game that was not as close as the final score indicated because of a late Lynch run. And the biggest thing I think we saw out of this first and foremost was the fact that Natasha Cloud uh, went off, I guess <laughs> would be the best phrase to put it. Uh, so talk to me about cloud who's shooting 50% on the season and, uh, quite a bit from three as well.
1: Yeah. Natasha cloud has taken every opportunity, uh, this season, every media availability to stress that she's a shooter and that defenses need to guard her. And Minnesota saw that in action
0: mm-hmm. last night.
1: So, uh, you know, always good to see a player who talks the talk, back it up on the court, um, unless you're Cheryl Reeve, I suppose, who had to call <laughs> at, at least one timeout after Tosh drained a, a three in the first half. Yeah. It's interesting because she had all 19 of her points in the first half and went scoreless in the second, though she still yeah. dished out a bunch of assists as per her usual uh, MO. So she really, I think, controlled the game. Coach T also talked about after the game how she – and Rui, their backup point guard, um, really pushed the pace all, all game, controlled the tempo to where they wanted it, which is also interesting because they only had eight available players and were still pushing the pace, which you don't always see with a, with a shorthanded squad.
0: No doubt about it. And you know, Rui as well, you're right. They didn't miss a beat in terms of their pace overall. You, you know, Tosh and Rui combined, though, they're still 10th of twelve in pace so far. Now, I think as much as anything else, that reflects just how fast this lead plays at this point. You know, it, it's really a fascinating thing because that number came as a shock to me after watching them, especially last night. But with Natasha Cloud, she she simply continues to... Uh, the phrase is level up, I think. And, and I remember her during her time at St. Joe's, and she was a fun player at St. Joe's, but she was just fully being honest, not a player who you said, Oh, well, clearly she's going to have a long successful career in the WNBA. She did not shoot as high as 40% overall from the field in any of her seasons at St. Joe's. She was not to use her phrase, a shooter at St. Joe's and her turnover percentage was North of 20% throughout the duration of her career in college. So to see her turn into an effective game manager and then turn herself into an absurdly effective scorer at the rim just by just sheer dint of will. Just she worked at it. She worked hard. She got so much stronger. Now to see her become this elite three-point shooter, you know, the number of point guards, if this holds, and she's at 36.4% through two games, you know, that's a bit misleading. It's a tiny sample size. And game one, she didn't hit any. Game two, she was absolutely dominant in the first half. But that level of player, there just aren't that many point guards in the WNBA who can do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You just threw out a lot of uh, really great stats. Um, I'm genuinely surprised to see the pace one. I hadn't uh, yeah. checked on that today. And it's it's odd to me because Tosh and Rui are both really, really fast. Um, yeah. Mystics players have universally said that Rui is one of the fastest players they've ever seen and probably the fastest player in the league. And they are always looking to push in transition so that pace number surprises me
0: hey, um, but yeah hey, by just- the way it does offer a higher ceiling I think potentially for them to get faster as they need to but go ahead
1: yeah and I think that's a great point between them being shorthanded last night and then having Elena, who was playing in her first season opener in four years uh, that may have you know slowed things down a little bit too just a little bit even though she's you know very mobile and, and all that just getting used to each other again. Um, But I was just going to add to your point about Tash finishing at the rim. There was a a play early in the game uh, last night where she uh, drove in and hit this like reverse layup with so much spin on it and like bounced off a defender and uh, fell to the floor. And I and probably everyone watching were like, how did how did that go in? How did she how did she do that? But she just kind of looked at it like, yeah, I did that. And then uh, I believe she got fouled and went to the line. So, uh, but that was just a, a ridiculous play to compliment all of the threes that she started to rain shortly after that.
0: The Philly and Natasha Cloud is my favorite part of the Natasha Cloud experience. And there is much to enjoy about the Natasha Cloud experience, but I would say that was a very Philadelphia finish from Natasha Cloud in that one. That was <laughs> delightful to see. Uh, there are some others who have stepped up early. And, you know, the biggest one to me that is so interesting is Shakira Austin. And I know, you know, we both wondered whether Shakira Austin would be someone who the Mystics would draft, who Mike would end up choosing. He did. He gushed about her. She's looked real good, it sounds like, in training camp. But through two games, you know, to your to your eyes, I assume the same they are to mine she's looked very much like somebody capable of being part of that rotation right away
1: yeah she's been really good and also just all of her you know her tangibles are great her numbers look good but her intangibles have been what her teammates are gushing about Um, they talk about how professional she is how confident and unflappable she is Uh, last night she got asked what is this game, your double-double that you had against Sylvia Fowles, who I hear is good, um, what does that do for your confidence? And Shakira said, nothing. I'm I'm confident regardless. Like, I'm not going to get too full of myself from this, but, like, I was already confident, so I didn't need this to make me confident, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, that's a great answer, um, yes. and coming from a rookie, no less. So, She's been great. She gives the Mystics a length that they really haven't had for several seasons. Um, And so she's a great shot blocker, really. It it was nice to see a Mystics player who could go toe to toe, like literally with Sylvia Fowles in terms of length, um, rather than having to do, you know, the Mystics at times have guarded her well, but have tended to give up size to her and some of the league's other uh really really tall centers so it was kind of refreshing to see them being able to battle on equal footing there and you know she was patient she got really buried in the paint a couple times and even then she just walled up she didn't bail out fouls with with fouls or give her and ones she just walled up and if it went in so be it uh pretty much the only misstep she made was uh when she uh when she and sill collided sill fell over shakira did not uh and then uh the ball was the ball was going down the other way and uh shakira stops to help sill up instead of getting back down on defense and uh from what we heard post game assistant coach and and former mystic center latoya sanders uh gave shakira an absolute earful for that one but shakira said uh stills a goat i I couldn't just leave her there uh but yeah the coaching staff didn't love that one
0: who among us could let sylvia Fowles sit there instead of helping her up i understand i think it's a a very human thing to have done but i also understand why the coaching staff told her not to Uh, i want to talk about the upcoming schedule because it really favors the mystics but first i want to talk to you about something spectacular that happened this weekend Uh, here in the Meddahl household. And that is the arrival on Saturday afternoon of my latest order of built Bars. Uh, It was something that I was looking forward to. It was something that my children were looking forward to as well. I was told Saturday night when I got back uh, from broadcasting a barred baseball game that it happened. And so Sunday morning, when we were all trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to eat to get our day started? Well, my older daughter, went for the banana cream pie. My younger daughter went for the churro. Uh, all were satisfied and very excited. Uh, and it's no surprise, Jen. It's no surprise because the best part about bill Bars is they're healthy and delicious, right? We don't have to decide between, oh, the children want something with real chocolate. Well, it has it. And we want to make sure the children get started with protein. Well, it has 17 grams of protein and only four net carbs, 130 calories, right? So We go to built.com like I did and use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. It's promo code L O C K E D one five for 15% off at built.com. And Jen, when you do that, do you remember who you tell them sent you?
1: Good old grandma Myrna. That's
0: right. it's grandma Myrna. That's very good. That's good. I appreciate that. So the mystics, you can't take anyone for granted. In this league. And they have a test of tests Tuesday night against the Las Vegas Aces. When you get past that game, it is as follows home against Dallas, at Dallas, at Atlanta, Chicago at home, very hard, Atlanta at home, at Connecticut, also hard, and then at Indiana. So out of the first 10 games, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six against Indiana, Dallas, or Atlanta, who at least early on and based on expectations don't necessarily look like playoff teams, any of the three. So what do they need to be 10 games in for you to feel confident this is a team prepared to challenge for a WNBA regular season title?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm going to start with healthy. Uh, cause that was something they didn't have, uh, last year. Um, mm-hmm. and all indications are that that is going well. Alicia Clark could play as early as Friday at home against Dallas. So mm-hmm. that is good. And, and Elena, That's- we already talked about, um, mm-hmm. will is, is expected to play tomorrow against Las Vegas. So health, uh, tentative check Mark there, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they integrate Elizabeth Williams, who is still on overseas duty um, playing in Turkey and will be back uh, within the next two weeks, depending on when her team gets eliminated from the Turkish league playoffs. So they're going to have to integrate her as well as Kennedy Burke, who they just picked up on waivers from Seattle and will be essentially Alicia Clark's backup at the wing. Um, so they've got a couple players to integrate and just need to make sure that they are, um, you know, fitting them within their system and getting their rotations down pat. Um, but I think they're off to a good start. Uh, they've they've kind of started out unevenly, right, racing out to these big first quarter against Indiana and first half against Minnesota leads and then uh, varying degrees of slippage in the second half. And so um, I think they do need to be more consistent over four quarters, but the general, you know, vibes or feeling around the team is a lot different than when they had this pattern last year in 2021, where they would uh, often get off to good starts and then just completely crater in the third quarter. Like the, the game tracker chart probably looks somewhat similar to games in, but um, the players talked about this last night. It just feels totally different to them. They feel much more in control, intentional, focused on the game plan prepared Um, And that kind of they attributed that to a stronger team culture. So I think they're in a good place right now and just need to incorporate the pieces that they are kind of adding back one at a time over the next several weeks um, and continue to to go game by game and, um, you know, really just prepare intentionally, as they've talked about.
0: Well, 2-0, I think, helps with the mood, too, I would imagine. But I really appreciate you taking us inside. You know, it's what I think is so important about the coverage we do here about all 12 teams uh, every day is that we're at the arenas. We're inside the locker rooms. You know, we're talking to coaches. We're reporting what general managers are doing. And you do this as well as anybody I know. So Jen Hatfield, my hat's off to you as always. Uh, Obviously, tomorrow we get Jackie Powell and the New York Liberty. So make sure you're listening to tomorrow's show as well. And again, want to thank all of you for making us your first te- your first listen every day, but and Jen, this is going to come as quite a shock to you as somebody in the DC market, but there is a men's professional basketball league too. Um, it's called the NBA, and I did a little research before we got on the air, and they apparently have uh, a men's basketball team in Washington DC too. Is that true? Is that the case?
1: You know, I think I've seen some like old. Eastern Conference Championship banners for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: not as recent as the Mystics, but no. I, I think I I think I can confirm that.
0: No, I I mean we joke, but obviously the Washington Wizards are a team affiliated with the team of champions, the Washington Mystics, uh, in DC. And so make sure that you get the opportunity to listen not only to Lockdown Wizards, but Lockdown NBA, your second listen. Every day, from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last position of the finals, or as may be the case with the Washington Wizards, a lot of off-season talk. Locked On Experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting—I mean, get this—all 30 teams. A lead with 30 teams. Can you imagine that, Jen? Can you? That's
1: that's the dream right there.
0: I can imagine it. I often have imagined it. Someday. Someday, but really, I kid enjoy locked on NBA because we have wonderful compatriots who are doing the work on the men's team as well. And nothing wrong with the NBA, it's a wonderful season to get you from one WNBA season to the next. So, until tomorrow, I am host and editor and founder of the next Howard Magdal, Jen Hatfield. I'll be seeing you on the Slack. And to everyone who's listening and watching, Thank you. Have yourself a wonderful Monday.
1: You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network. Your team every day.